Hey, it's good to be back with you. Thanks again for being with us. And as always, we pray we're a blessing to you. We're in our series uh, called the I Am series during Lent. And this is our second sermon in that series. And today we're going to be handling John chapter 8, verse 12. And that um, this section talks about I am the light of the world. Let me, let me read you that verse. Then Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation. If you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. And Lord, you look at all of us. I don't know who's watching and listening, uh, one or the other or both. Uh, but Lord, uh, you see all of us, but you see me differently. I'm a teacher of your word, a preacher, and I'm under a great judgment, a more strict judgment than anybody else. And I know this and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray his name that I preach. Amen. We uh, have got to set up this portion of John 8 where he talks about, I am the light of the world. And to set it up, we're going to go back to John 7. None of this will be on the screen for you. You're going to have to look at it for yourself. But Jesus is teaching, and he's teaching at a very specific event called the Feast of Tabernacles. Sometimes you won't get things in Scripture if you just, in a hurry, run past them. A lot of times you need to ask, when Jesus is teaching this, where is he? What is going on? Uh, it becomes what's called the socioeconomic area or the, 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 the culture of where he is. And uh, so he's at the Feast of Tabernacles. It's also called the Feast of Booths, B-O-O-T-H. Um, here he's teaching and they're... They're asking questions. He's teaching about himself, that he's the living water. He's teaching about the Holy Spirit. Uh, he has forgiven a woman who's been caught in adultery. They brought her to him, you know, trying to trap him. And then seemingly out of nowhere, it's just boom. He goes into, I am the light of the world. When you're, when you're uh, reading this, even though I think it's a great statement that he makes, I am, I am the light of the world, love that, love that statement. Uh, it's just like, what brought this on, you know? Well, John talks about light a lot. So uh, this is very important to him, uh, especially this section of Scripture. But it's, it's like, why did we switch from this teaching to light of the world? Well, I'm going to tell you this. Um, the Feast of the Tabernacles, if you want to read about it, it can be found in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 23, uh, verses 33 through 44. It will tell you about it. It becomes an eight-day event. Uh, it is uh, one of three major feasts that happen in the year. This one happens later in the year, after the harvest, some say around October. Every night... Every night of the, the festival, the feast, uh, they, uh, except for the Sabbath night, they, they light these amazing lamps uh, that there's just multiple lamps with columns and lamps and trays, and, and uh, they, they are celebrating in the evening. And uh, these lamps, uh, they're just miraculous. 
and uh, they uh, they can be seen for long, long distances. There's music playing. There's people dancing, including the men. And they say especially the men. I can't imagine that in our church, seeing the men dance. That'd be a little bit crazy. Uh, but not not because they're dancing. It's because they can't dance. That's what I'm saying. So don't know that many of you out there, men listening, can do the same thing. So uh, they, they do this every night. And they, the, the ceremony represents two things. One is the ceremony is uh, helping them remember how the Lord has led their people out of captivity in Egypt and he guided them with the pillar of fire. So they're remembering how God had delivered them. These big, this unbelievable, amazing uh, lighting of, of lamps that were there was, is remembering that God cared for us and he guided us and he protected us with the pillar of fire. But it also does a second thing. This ceremony also is a committal uh, that they are committing their life now and in the future to the God of light. To the God of light. I want you to notice here in their ceremony, every night of the festival, except for one, they are remembering, giving thanks, and then they are recommitting their lives to a God who guides them, the God of light. Um, listen, I, I am a I'm really strong, and I'm not asking that you agree with me. It really, it's really not an issue to me if you do or you don't, but I'm really strong in people recommitting their lives, really strong in that. Uh, I use Simon Peter as an example where he denied the Lord three times, and then they hear the resurrection, and he goes and runs and finds that it's true, and then the Lord comes to him privately, and he reinstates him. Uh, three times. I, I, I can identify with that. I think we all prob probably can. I, I do believe in recommitting your life to the Lord. And this is an example. This ceremony in the Old Testament is a picture of not only thanking God for his protection and guidance in the past, but also recommitting their lives to the God of light who will handle their present and their future. And that leads me to James chapter 1, verse 17. James 1.17 says this, and this is about the recommittal to the God of light. Every generous act and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Do you see that? With him there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. There's, no, there's absolutely no change in him whatsoever. Every good and generous and perfect gift <clears throat> didn't come from luck is a blessing. I, I usually don't even use the word luck in my walk with Christ. It becomes a blessing. Everything that's been good for you, given to you, has been a gift from God. And the scripture here has it that God doesn't change and that the good that we experience comes from him, comes from above, and it's every, every generous act, every perfect gift it emphasizes there in the scripture comes from him. So here in this festival, uh, they're celebrating the God of lights because they, they're recommitting to the God of lights uh, on that day and then all their days forward. It comes that light is from above and light is good especially if you're afraid of darkness. 
And I, I want you to know that in their day and time, they didn't have the street lamps and lights that you and I do. Uh, the headlights on the, from, from buildings are necessarily the lights from automobiles and everything else, that there was a lot of darkness in, um, in uh, any light at all was great, as you well know, even in our own experience of darkness. So uh, light is good and light is from above. Genesis, the creation, in the creation story, said that God gave us a greater light to rule the day, and he gave us a lesser light to rule the night. So uh, good and light is from above. Evil and darkness is from below. Sounds like I'm making a really, just a really uh, out of line statement there, but that becomes the concept of even scripture, that uh, it is, he's the father of lights, talking about... Um, the, the, the light of the sun and the stars and the moon and everything else. I don't know about you, but even on a full lit, full, full moon night, it just lights up. I know I've, I hunt a lot and, uh, sometimes I've, uh, I've just gone to my hunting spot using the, the brightness of the moon, uh, that is cast down. So it, it becomes a good thing. Well, then, then, then to challenge you during this Lent season, we come into a problem. We're, we're getting to talking about light and darkness, light and darkness. You're going to hear a lot through scripture about light and darkness, especially in the writing of John. Here's the problem. The problem is John 3, 19 through 20. Now, I'm going to walk, walk you through this slowly. Jesus is teaching here in John chapter 3. And remember, it's the same chapter where we have John 3, 16. It's just three more verses down. He said, this then is the judgment. And the judgment here is called crisis. Here's the crisis. It says, the light has come into the world and the people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Uh, for everyone who practices wicked things hates the light and avoids it and avoids it for a certain reason so that his deeds may not be exposed. I, I have a, I've been doing this a long time. I've been a preacher's kid for a long time. So my life, I'll be 62 in July, has been, has been wrapped around the church whether I wanted it to be or not. And, uh, I, I've come to grips that you hear a lot of reasons why people don't go to church. They're, they're multiple. But I, I rest on his word. I don't rest on what people think or say necessarily. I listen. But I always, if I'm going to be a pastor, I've got to come back to his word. And his word tells me in verse 20, for everyone who practices wicked things hates the light. I, I pray that the, a, a church is a place of light for, for people. We're going to preach about Jesus, and you, that's going to happen here in a moment, too, even greater than what I already have. Uh, for everyone who practices wicked things hates the light, and look at this, avoids it. Why do they avoid it? Because their deeds, so their deeds will not be exposed. They love darkness. What is darkness? Uh, darkness is living without the knowledge and the guidance of God. You don't want to know what he thinks, and you don't want his help. 
And if you do want his help, it's just to get you out of the ditch, to get you back on your own road, not his road, but your own road. Uh, and uh, you, people who like darkness see rescue in a completely different way. But it's living without the knowledge and the guidance of God. People who are in darkness are living according to their nature. They're living according to their nature. And it takes exposure. It takes exposure uh, to come to a place of surrender and you have got to repent and turn from that. You, 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 you completely move away from that is the importance here. And let me just speak it to you in this way. Let me just get real personal with you. I, uh, I ran from ministry for a long time. Loved my daddy. My daddy was a great man. Um, loved my dad as a pastor. Loved uh, the convictions of his heart. <coughs> loved it. Uh, didn't always like being a preacher's kid, but it didn't mean I didn't love my daddy. But I ran from ministry because I just didn't want to surrender to it. I had my own plan. I had my own plan for my life. I had my own plan for my family. I had all that worked out. I, I literally, I literally had it. When Julie and I first married in 1982, I had it written down, enumerated, what I was going to achieve and how I was going to achieve it and how I would mark it off. God completely gave me another call when it came to that. <clears throat> One I didn't want to be a part of. <clears throat> Excuse me. I can remember going to church <clears throat> and I, 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 would, I would be under conviction. Why? Because I was hearing truth. Um, there was darkness th that was being exposed to light and I didn't like it. Because the reason I didn't like it was because it was in, I was in disagreement with what he was calling me to do and what I wanted to do with my own life. So I, I completely, that, that word avoid, I understand it. I tried to avoid it at every, every turn in my life until I came. But what, what, was the, what was the deal that changed it? It's his conviction. And I want to remind you of something out there. I want to, I want to help you out. I want to take a little bit of the load away from you. Conviction is not a bad thing. Most people think conviction is a bad thing. <clears throat> like God's convicted me. Well, that means he's mad at me. No. God's convicting you because of the danger you are to yourself. The direction you're leading your life is going in a place of danger for you. That's why sin is looked as a boundary or a trespass because he's drawn the line. You don't need to go over that because it'll hurt you. And I love you enough that I draw the line. That's not being a bad God. That's a good father that does that. A good father draws the line for his children because he doesn't want them harmed. So conviction I would, be, I would be under conviction, and I would go, okay, he's mad at me. He's going to hit me with a thunderbolt, you know, whatever. And I had to learn that conviction was a good thing. Why is it a good thing? It's because I'm carrying all this weight and this baggage, and God wants to remove that from me. God wants to transfer my life. He wants to take that load off of me, not add to it. And conviction has got to be looked on as a good thing because he really does want to redirect your life and use your life as a blessing. So the answer to this crisis is Colossians 1, uh, verses 12 through 14. And I want to be able to read it to you. 
It says, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness. See that? He's rescued us from the domain of darkness, and he has transferred. Really, he's picked you up out of darkness, and he's transferred us, you and me, into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. He's done this. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, and it's all found in him. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> he wants to give you a brand new life. There's the transfer. Remember, you and I are in the domain of darkness because of our nature. And then uh, there's conviction. You don't have to live there. You can live here. You can live in the light. And then there's surrender and repentance, and we turn from the darkness, and he transfers us into the, 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 the kingdom of the son that he loves. He transfers us there. I want you to look at 1 Peter 2.9. Now, that Colossians was Paul. Here's Peter. You know, when we say grace and peace at the end, we get it from Simon Peter in his writings. He said, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the, the praises of the one who called you, look at this, out of darkness into his marvelous light. So God takes us out of that nature of living in darkness and move and changes our nature to want to be able to live in the light. This is good news. This is the gospel. Look at Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Let me give you the picture of the man who is rescuing you and transferring you from darkness to light. Uh, I love this verse. <clears throat> Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, heavy laden, I, I learned, and I will give you rest. All of you... Uh, Take up my yoke and learn from me because I'm gentle. Do you hear that? He's gentle. He's humble in heart. And you will find rest for yourselves, your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want you to see the transfer, <clears throat> the big heavy baggage that you're carrying. He wants to take that off and give you a lighter load. He does give us tasks. But it's a lighter load than what you're carrying in the domain of darkness. It's the beauty of the gospel here is that he's inviting you to come to him and let him transfer you into the kingdom of the son <clears throat> that he loves. Psalm 119, 105 is a verse that I want to give to you in closing. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> it says, your word is a lamp for my feet and the light on or to my path. I told you I love to, I love to hunt, and I, I do. And uh, a lot of my hunting escapades goes, uh, I'm, I'm out early in the morning, way before the sun comes up. And I'm not going to do this on TV, but I'm, I am actually going to do this in the live service, in the in-person service. But I have these amazing headlamps, and uh, I love to collect flashlights and headlamps. Now, I don't mean collect them because I, they're old or, you know, they're worth any money or anything like that. I, I just love lumens. You know, I mean, I'm sitting here preaching to you and I'm absolutely tiring. I'm being blinded by an LED light that's on the camera that you can't see. And, uh, uh, the, I, but I, I, I'm amazed by it. I'm amazed by the light that is given out. And man, in the last few years, has there been an incredible move uh, to headlamps. And I've got a headlamp that I can put on my head when I'm going to my 
I'm going to my deer stand and uh, I'm uh, walking in water to my duck blind or the timber that we're hunting or whatever it is and it's pitch dark and I put that thing on and it looks like daylight. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's a few thousand lumens if you keep up with uh, the number of lumens. I remember when a headlamp had 150 or 200 lumens, lumens and you're like, man, I've got some headlamps now that are many thousand lumens. I, I look like an alien spaceship in the middle of the night, I'm just gonna tell you. And if you're wondering, you know, does he really know what an alien spaceship looks like? No, I really don't, but you get the picture, right? Uh, I love it. Uh, I don't like darkness, I'll be honest with you. I'm not fond of it. So I use this headlamp. Now in their day and time, they certainly didn't have what I just described. Uh, they, they had a little bitty lamp that would maybe shine at their feet. And then there was some greater light that would go out a little further, but especially if they're getting up at night or just going a, a little bit of a distance, they would use the smaller lamp. And it says that, uh, that your word, Lord, is a lamp to my feet. And here's the way I teach it. Here's the way I counsel this, is uh, his word is a light for my next step. And that's usually about all the light that they use then would give, would be a light for a next step. His word is my next steps. And not only that, but his word is something that lights up the entire journey of my life. I know there's a lot of people who think this and think that. They have this theory and that idea, even when it comes to Jesus and it comes to church. Uh, but guys, listen, uh, I'm not gonna scream, but I'm screaming, okay? Uh, I, if I were writing this, it would be in bold print, capital letters with a lot of exclamation points. Get into the Word of God. Quit trying to figure this out without being in His Word. His Word is for your next steps, and His Word is for your next, your entire journey of your entire life. And it brings life. It's what I want you to see. And Jesus is the Word. We have the we have the written the the living word of Jesus. He's the word, and we have the written word of that God has given us. And I go back to John eight twelve as we finish right exactly where we started. Then Jesus spoke to them again. Remember the ceremony is happening, the Feast of Tabernacles. They're lighting these incredible candles, these incredible dishes that are there. It's amazing. I mean, it's unbelievable, breathtaking. And Jesus all of a sudden goes, I am the light of the world. It would have matched the ceremony of where they are. And anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness. Do you hear me? I like that because I don't like darkness. But will have the light of life. The life that you are seeking, the life that you desire will never be found in this world because the world and darkness uh, in, in Scripture, they come together. Okay, they come together. It's going to have to be walking with him through this dark world. He is the light of life. I can tell. I've been doing this long enough, and I am uh, hopefully have discernment from the Holy Spirit, but I can tell when I'm around another believer because I see the light in them. I can say that about T. I can say that about Logan. I look for the spark that's in their heart and in their eye to see the light of Christ in them. So no matter where I go, you and I go, that light is living in us. 
and we become the light of the world. He sends us to become that light for him. So in it, he, you'll never walk in darkness, and you'll have the light of life, okay? God bless you. Thanks for being a part of this. You go out and be light this week to somebody. Be a blessing to them as you are a part of Lent. Remember, we're fasting. We're in prayer and devotion, and we're being generous. So you go out this week and let the Holy Spirit lead you to be a blessing to somebody else and be that light to them, okay? We love you, I love you, and you know what we say before we leave. Grace and peace. Make sure you live in both of them.